a series today called Five Keys to Parenting with Purpose. Five Keys to Parenting with Purpose. This will be the final message, but I'm going to review, if I can, for just a few moments. Uh, We said last week, and we've said really every week, the purpose of parenting is to raise a godly adult. The purpose of parenting is to raise a godly adult. In Psalm 127, verse number 4, here's what it says. It says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. So the Bible compares children to arrows. And the important thing for us to know is that arrows were not bought, they were made. And it took time, it took effort, it took energy, it took resources. How many of you know children take time and effort, a whole lot of energy, and a whole lot of money? Can I get an amen from somebody? So the Bible says that they're arrows in that one day we will launch them. One day they will leave our home. They will be launched into their future. And so we only have them for a very short window. We just have them for a short window. And so we want to do our best. Parenting is hard work. And the purpose of parenting is not to raise educated, talented, athletic, well-adjusted, independent, financially stable adults. That's not the purpose. Those are all necessary And we should put time and effort and energy and resources into that. But the main purpose is to raise godly adults, holy adults. And so the majority of our energy, the majority of our time, the majority of our effort, and the majority of our our resources should go into raising a godly adult. And every week I gave you parenting words, just a word to help you. And so the first week, it was the word inappropriate. And we use that word all the time. That movie is inappropriate. That TV show is inappropriate. That video game is inappropriate. That dress is inappropriate. That bathing suit, it's inappropriate. And listen, kids know what that means. They know what's appropriate and inappropriate. And so we just have to teach them. We have to raise them and say, no, that's inappropriate. You should not wear that, watch that or have that, or go to that. And so they know what that means, and so we have to say it to them, and we have to raise them and say, no, this is inappropriate. And then last week's parenting word I love, and it's the word mine, M-I-N-E. So if you're here today as as a mom or dad, and you're having trouble figuring out, can I grab their phone and look at it? Can I go into that room and, and go through the stuff that's in their drawers or go into their personal stuff. Can I do that? Do you think that's okay? Let me help you today, okay? I'm going to help you figure out what is yours and what is theirs. Are you ready? Everything is yours. Nothing is theirs. Can I get an amen? Everything is yours. It's in your house. Huh? It's your phone, your clothes, it's your room, it's all yours. Nothing is theirs. I don't care if they bought it themselves with their own money. I don't care if Grammy bought it for them. It doesn't make any difference. It's all yours. Why? Because it's in your 
house. It's not yours to own. It's just yours to manage. God owns it all, but he gives it to you to manage. So you can go in that room. You could go through the stuff. You can take their phone at any time that they think is theirs, but is really yours, right? If it's the car that you bought, guess what? It's your car, right? And so if you need it, you can take it. You can do whatever you want with it. It's all yours. So that's just going to help you figure out whose is whose. And really, that's, that's very important for you to know. All right? So here's today's parenting word, which is really two words. And it's the phrase of the words, forgive me. And it's not teaching our children how to say it. It's us saying it to our kids. Listen, mom and dad, I can't tell you how important it is for you to learn to say these words, forgive me. I should not have done that. I should not have said that. Dad raised his voice. Dad lost his temper. Dad acted in a way he shouldn't said. Mom said something she shouldn't. She did something she shouldn't do. Listen, listen to me. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. God is still working on me. I'm not perfect. I'm still a work in progress. I'm human. I make mistakes. Listen, please forgive me. I'm praying that I don't do that again. Listen, it's so important for you to know. Why? Because for, for you to say that to them. Here's why. Because one day they're going to have a husband or a wife. And they're going to need to go to that husband and wife on numerous occasions and say, I should have done that. I, I, I made a mistake. I blew it. Man, I really failed. I, I, I should not have said that. I was harsh. I had a wrong attitude. I had a bad tone. I should not have done that. And you're teaching them by your example how to do that. You need to say it, and you need to say it as often as you need to say it. Amen? Listen, there's nothing worse than somebody who can't say, I was wrong. I, I, I messed up. Who, who can't say, I blew it. You have to just be honest and open and say it. I shouldn't have done it. I spanked you too hard. I was inappropriate in my tone. I yelled when I shouldn't have yelled. I, I crossed the boundary. Forgive me. You have to understand those words. And so we gave you five keys. I just want to review for a moment uh, several of them. The first week we talked about the word consistent. Because if you're not consistent, you're not going to make it. If you're not consistent, here's what happens. You raise children who think that they can cross boundaries and people don't really mean what they say until they find the teacher that does or the policeman that does. Huh? Until they encounter a God who never changes. God always means what he says. And so we have to be very consistent. Our yes means yes and our no means no. And so we have to be consistent. And we talked about that the first week. And then the second week we talked about last week, I gave you two more, and it was the words affection. Or I should say the word acceptance. Acceptance opens the door for a sense of belonging. Kids need tons of hugs and tons of kisses. And listen to me, you cannot say I love you too much to your child. You have to say it and say it all the time. We go to these men's encounters and ladies' encounters, and we talk to, to grown men who never heard their dads say, I love you. They never heard those words in their lifetime. And so listen, we have to reverse that. We have to change that. 
And we have to say to our children, I love you. You belong. You are important. This family is not the same without you. Listen, we accept you just the way you are. It's unconditional love. We love you when you're good. We love you when you're not so good. We love you all the time. There's nothing you could ever do to ever not have me love you. I love you with all of my heart. Kids need to know that. And they need to hear it from you. And if you're not the kind of person who says it, swallow your pride, huh? grow up, and say those words. I love you. So it's about acceptance. And then we talked about the third key is the word discipline. Huh? And, and we kind of went into that one in detail, right? And we talked about how to spank and how not to spank. And we talked about the scriptures and, and the Bible says that there's a right way to do it. And then, of course, there's a wrong way to do it. And so the Bible says that a child left to himself, a child who's not disciplined, here's what happens. They bring shame to their mother. And so we have to understand that we have to discipline our children. Discipline is this. Discipline is giving consistent boundaries that have consistent consequences. I love you so much, I'm going to protect you from an undisciplined lifestyle. That's why I'm disciplining you. I was able to go home last Sunday, immediately after service, and put right into practice my own sermon. The minute I walked in the door, we talked about how to do it, and I went right to work. And then on Tuesday, I had several more opportunities to put into practice the sermon. In fact, I had four opportunities on Tuesday. I had several more on Thursday. So all this week, I got to walk out what I preached. And you know why we don't do it? You know why? Because we're lazy. Hey, I'll just talk about me for a moment. It's real easy to sit on that couch and to just say, ah, we'll deal with it some other time. But I don't know about you, my wife and I, we made a decision. And here's the decision we made. What's cute at four isn't cute at 14. You know what I mean? It's just not cute. Have you ever seen a toddler just kind of smart off and everybody goes, oh, they just told me to shut up. Oh, isn't that cute? That's so cute. You know, when they're two. Or they just stuck their tongue out at me. Oh, isn't that so cute? I never thought that was cute. I never thought that was funny. So we don't allow it in our home. And listen, guess what? What's cute on them at four isn't cute on them at 16. Okay? So you got to be careful how you dress them even when they're young. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? So we have to learn. And so that's why we discipline. We discipline to protect them from an undisciplined lifestyle. The challenge we face as parents is that many times we're more concerned about their reaction than we are their protection. Let me just say that again. The challenge we face as parents is many times we're more concerned about how they're going to react. Oh, if I take their phone away, they're going to throw a hissy fit. I mean, they're just going to get so angry. They may say things to me and They may tell me they hate me, and they may tell me that they they wish that they were never born. They may tell me that they can't wait to move out. Go ahead and tell me that. 
I, I, I got thick skin. You wouldn't be the first person to tell me you didn't love me. I mean, you know what I mean? And so, so it's okay. I'm not so concerned about your reaction. What I am concerned about is your protection. And so that's why I'm going to take the phone, and that's why there's going to be a filter on it, and that's why you don't get a TV cable in your bedroom, and that's why you don't get to go to that party. That's why you don't get to wear that. That's why you don't get to watch that, because I'm trying to protect you, right? I love you so much, I'm trying to protect you from all that. Amen? So I don't care about your reaction. I care about your protection. See, let me give you this example. Many times, parents really struggle in the area of dating. At, at what age should we let them date? Because, and here's why they really struggle with that. Because they think that, oh, if I don't allow them to do it, they're going to do it behind my back. And so they say to themselves, well, I, I should just go ahead and let them, otherwise they may rebel and do it behind my back. But what I've always believed is this. I'd rather have them rebel and do it behind my back and know about the difference between what we believe is right and wrong than bend my morals. You see what I'm saying? So listen, I, I just tell, we're going to set a really high standard. We're just going to say, listen, here's our standard. It's really high. It's called godliness and holiness. And, and guess what? If you're going to break it, you're going to have to do it behind my back. I'm not going to lower my standard because I think you're going to rebel or freak out. Amen? So that's why. Here's what, here's what should happen with dating. I think you should wait till you're of the marrying age, which for, for many people should be around age 20. Somewhere between age 18 to 23, really around age 20, is when you should start dating. And here's why. Here's what the Bible says. Song of Solomon, chapter number 8, says this. It says, promise me, O daughters of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. You don't awaken certain emotions when they're too young to be able to handle them. You don't awaken that. You don't stir it up. We never played with our kids and said, oh, boyfriend, girlfriend. We never ever went there, all right? Because we didn't think that's funny or, or cute. And we said, no, no, no. No, we're not going to stir up those feelings. We're not going to stir up those emotions. We never allowed posters on the wall or pop stars into their life because we never allowed them to experience the emotions that they were not ready to handle. Do not awaken love until the time is right. Let me just give you this example. What happens if they start dating at 15? If they're 15 and they start dating, but they're not going to get married till after college. How I many you know, you want them to go to college and being married and a college student, not easy. So you want them to be able to finish college. Well, what age do you finish college? For most people, it's like 22, 23. So they're going to start dating somebody at 15, and they're going to go to the age of 23. That's eight years. Eight years of alone time, eight years of private time, eight years of driving off by themselves somewhere. Now, let me ask you this. In eight years, how possible is it for them to stay pure? I mean, it's, it, it is possible, but guess what? I believe it's very difficult. And here's what you're doing, mom and dad. You're setting them up for failure. You are setting them up for failure. Because it's hard to stay pure for eight straight years. 
There's just going to be too many opportunities to fail. Too, many, too much alone time. You see what I'm saying? And so we have to understand is this. No, no, no. This is why we set the standard this high. This is why, no, you don't come to me and ask if you could date my daughter. She's 15. It's not going to happen. Okay? It's not going to happen. No way. And here's why. Because I believe that in healing, and you're going to need it. So, uh, because, because if you try to do something behind my back, I'll break both your legs before I ever let you go off with my prized possession. God gave me a child to care for. Don't bend your morals because you think they might rebel. And so that's discipline. I didn't intend to go into all of that. We may have to edit some of that from the, from the podcast. Sit down with your children and talk to them about timing and readiness. Okay? Because the wrong thing, I mean the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Let me give you the fourth one this morning, the fourth key to parenting with purpose, and that's mentoring. I talked about discipline last week. I said discipline happens between the age of 2 and 12. Really, you shouldn't have to spank after around the age of 12, and it varies slightly for different children. But if you do your job right between the ages of 2 and 12, then when they get into their teen years, you won't have to discipline them the same way. It'll be a little different. You, of course, you, you then begin to, to, to take things away, but you won't have to, of course, spank a child. Now, some of you grew up in a different house, 18. They had no problem, okay? But for the most part, it should happen between the ages of 2 and 12. Well, mentoring takes place between the ages of 8 and 18, okay? Around the age of 8, they really, their brain has developed to a point where they can now reason, and they begin to understand. And so you begin to talk to them around the age of eight and say, well, here, this is what we're going to do. We're going to show you the difference between right and wrong. We're going to walk through this thing together. If you're in Proverbs chapter four, let me read starting in verse 10. Proverbs chapter four, verse 10 says this. Hear me, my son, or hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. Listen to what it says in verse 11. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Listen to what it says. It says, I have taught you and I have led you. That gives the picture of somebody very involved in their child's life. I not only taught you, we didn't just have these discussions. I didn't just tell you the difference between right and wrong. I said, here, come take my hand. Let's walk this path together. Amen? That's what the Bible says. It says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, train, train, train up a child in the way that he or she should go. Train them. Mentor them. Work with them, show them, walk with them, talk with them, sit down with them, instruct them, train them in the way that they should go. Amen? Here's the mentoring process. It's really three things. It's number one, example. 
And number two, experience. And then number three, encouragement. It's those three things. It is, first of all, you lead by example. Huh? You, say, you say now, hey, listen, watch me while I do it. I'm going to be an example to you. And this is true in every area. It's true in sports. Hey, you want to teach a kid to throw a ball? You better learn how to throw a ball. Huh? It's true in, in, in fixing a car, working around the house. It's, hey, you watch me while I do this. And then it's experience. And experience says this, hey, now you do it and I'll watch you. And if you get it wrong, well, no, no, you don't do it that way. You do it this way. Here, here, try this way. No, it's, 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 it's experiencing it. Huh? And then lastly, you say, now you go do it. Huh? It's I do it, you watch, then, then I watch while you do it, and then now you go do it. It, it. It's all those three things. And then you encourage them. You cheer them on. You're the biggest fan. And it's true of every area of our life. It is this mentoring process, and especially while they're teenagers. Let me show you how to treat a woman. Let me show you how to open a car door. Let me show you how to love a a, a spouse. Let me show you how to cook. Let me show you how to clean. Let me walk you through these processes. Now, you do it, and I'm going to watch you. Amen? And it's true of every area of our life, including the way we worship. Kids need to see you with your hands lifted up. Kids need to see you involved in ministry. They need to see you serving. They need to see you put your time and effort and energy. They need to see that, that, hey, you write out a check. It's called your tithe. They need to see that. This is what mom and dad do. Mom and dad used to be lost, but God saved us, and we're so grateful. And here's what we do for God. We give him the first 10% of our income. Because we were once slaves. We were once lost. God redeemed our lives. They need to see these things. They need to know that you do them so that one day they can go do it. It's called the mentoring, and it is this process. Ask yourself this, what kind of example am I really being? I I hope I'm not one of those you do as I say, not necessarily as I do. I told you I made a deal with my son many years ago. I said, you can watch what I watch, you can listen to what I listen to, and you could say what I say. That's the deal. And, and all these years, I've kept up my end. I said, always, you can watch what I watch, you can listen to what I listen to, and you could say what I say. And, and those are the boundaries of your life. And, and this, is how, this is how we live our life. Because your children will be your truest disciples. Forget about the stranger, the the person in the discovery class. Those are great. The person in your small group, those are wonderful. And I mean, hey, those are necessary. We need to disciple other people. But nobody will be as true a disciple as your children. I've got two sons. They'll be my truest disciples. My wife has a daughter. I have a daughter. We both have a daughter. Okay, we both have the daughter. But that will be Cynthia's truest disciple. And so listen, this is what God's called us to do. Your children will be your truest disciple. Do they see you worship? Do they watch your lifestyle? And can they begin to replicate it? Number five, and the last key is this, independence. We go from mentoring to independence. And one of the reasons why this is so challenging for many parents 
is we have a very difficult time letting go. Just difficult for some. Here's why. Because when they're little, we do everything for them. We pick out their clothes. Oh, you get to wear this. Now, some young girls learn very early to pick out their own clothes, right? But for the most part, we pick out their clothes. We tell them what they're going to wear. We tell them when they're going to eat. We tell them what they're going to eat. We tell them when they can go to bed. We tell them when they have to get up. We manage every aspect of their lives. But guess what? They grow up. And when they grow up, we have to transition, especially during this mentoring process. We have to transition from being a manager to being an advisor. And it's very difficult for some parents. Because guess what? They get to pick out their own clothes. Huh? And they get to pick out their own haircut. And it may not be exactly how you looked in the 70s. You see what I'm saying? Maybe very difficult for you. And they get to go to bed. It's more flexible as they get older. And guess what? They get to get up by themselves. Set the alarm. Hey, you're, you're it now. And so we struggle with sometimes letting them go. But Genesis 2.24, here's what Genesis 2.24 says. It says, therefore shall a man leave. He, one day, they're going to leave. They have to leave. That's the process. That's what God intended to happen. That one day they would leave. One day they're going to be joined. One day they're going to have to leave our home. Because after all, arrows are most effective when they're launched. Isn't that what God intended to have happen? That we spend a certain number of years, whether it's 18 years or 20 years or 22 years, we spend those years, and guess what we do? We pull back the bow. And then at some point, we have to let them go. At some point, we have to say, okay, I did the best that I could with God's help, God's strength, God's grace, and God's mercy. And now, hey, I'm letting you go. And I'm always here for you. And I'm always a voice. And I'm always going to have an ear. And I'm always going to be there. I'm going to cheer you on. But guess what? It's time for you to go fulfill the will, the plan, the purpose of God for you. And we're going to launch them. Huh? And if you did your job right, they're going to leave your home and go right into God's plan, God's purpose for their life. Amen? Andy Stanley said this. He said, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. I love that quote. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do. It may not be that novel. Come on now. That book, that song, huh? That, that ministry, that church. It may not be any of that. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may just be someone you raise. Who goes so much further than you've ever gone. Does so much more than you've ever done. Gets to put their feet on places you've never got to go. Listen, that's your contribution to the kingdom of God. To pull back the bow 
and to say, now, listen, we've had our years and it's time for us to launch you into God's plan, God's purpose. Amen.